And if you're here this morning, I'm going to teach you a couple of Tagalog words because the title of my message is in Tagalog. Um, very simple. Everybody say, Hindi, Mabute. All right, that means not good. Amen. That's the title of this morning's message. But it's a joke in our country there because they'll get they'll get it probably more than you. But when somebody asks you how you do, and you always, most people say mabute, I'm fine. Uh, but I like it's a play with words. Uh, sometimes I say ma mabute. Hello, somebody. I'm beautiful. Amen. Mabute. So Hindi mabute. Hindi beautiful. No. All right, they got it, but it went right over your heads, praise the Lord. <laughs> they laughed right away. All right. Verse 9 and 10, you got it? Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all, everybody say all, all. appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed or rewarded, in some translations, for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or hinde mabute. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you just allow us to take this time to give reverence to your word and to your Holy Spirit. We praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So one more high five to your neighbor as you sit down and have your seats. But don't get comfortable. Those chairs are mighty comfortable. I don't like my chairs in my church. They hurt, you know. Keeps everybody awake, though. I just want to thank God for my salvation this morning because I am grateful that it's been 15 years now that I've been serving the Lord since I went in the home. And I want to go ahead and just say, you know, thank God for my uh, leaders that have helped me over the years and believed in me because... If you would have, if those of you would remember what I look used to look like and the way I used to be, I don't see how they could see any potential in what what I was. But what a beautiful vision that we have in Victory Outreach Ministries. What a beautiful blessing to be able to be in a ministry such as this. So I want to thank God for Pastor Josie because she has always been a, a very good instrument in my life. Even before when Pastor Steve was still alive, God used her many times in my life. When I would get off track some way, somehow, she would always be careful and very quick to tell me, get back on track. Oh. And same with now, even to this day. So... You have a wonderful pastor here in your church, and uh, she's also my pastor and also my leader, and I've always, always thanked God for her life. Amen? I was thinking about the song we were singing, Faith, How We Can Move Mountains. And I was thinking about how a lot of times as believers we think about faith and we think about believing God for financial needs, believing God for you know, material things, what have you, or healings in our body, and maybe, you know, praying over the sick or delivering people. 
But I, I really want, I was thinking of the word faith and how the element of faith, sometimes we don't, we miss the fact that faith is also applied in our walk in Christ as far as, you know, when you're under the gun, you don't run. When you're going through trials and pressures of life, you don't get disappointed or hurt or offended. I mean, it's in our perfect nature as humans to feel like, oh, man, I, that hurt. man. I, you know, and then we always want to point the finger at people and hurt people hurt people. But we have to know that faith is more exercised in not giving up and not allowing pains or struggles or trials to push us off track. But staying on track no matter what. Staying on track. And how are you able to do that? You cling to the cross of Christ Jesus. You're able to really get in the presence of God. And yeah, you're going to get hurt. You're going to go through trials. You're going to get offended. You're going to go get pressures of life. are going to try to press in on you. But listen, no matter what, you got to know that on your knees is where you're really going to see faith. And that's where a lot of times people miss the mark. Just thought I'd throw that in there because that's really not in my message. It's something God put in my spirit during praise this morning. Those of you, I, I, I had a video, but we had, of course, you know, technical difficulties. And uh, so I'll leave the video for later at another time. But you can also follow what God is doing in our church over there on Facebook and Twitter. Amen. We're posting videos and updates all the time. And uh, because that's uh, a new tool the enemy's given or the, the Lord's given us to be able to confront the enemy and be able to put it out there and let everybody know what your dollar a day and your United We Can monies are doing to help worldwide missions throughout the world. How many can say amen? amen. Because we belong to a ministry that is not a local vision. When I was in the home, I just wanted to get clean. But God had another plan. God had another plan, and I went through a lot of pressures in the home. But it was through the home and even through leadership here in the church and through the, the, the people in my life that have brought me where I was and helped me to really apply that faith element in my life. Amen? So I want to also, you know, just say that I'm, I'm, an, I'm nervous this morning. My hands are sweaty. And I, I, you know what? It's been like this actually in my, every time I get up behind the pulpit, it's been like this a lot more recently. It's almost like a, it's the first time. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, the, op, the fact that the message that I want to speak this morning has a lot to do with what I have been going through in my walk and relationship with the Lord. After my wife had come to the United States, I was blessed to go to a pastor's conference there in the Philippines. And, you know, uh, it was great to really just sit down and hear some word and, and get something in my spirit. And one of the pastors preached, he was from Canada, he preached about a message about the Bema seat of Christ, the, th the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what I, it really took me a whole, I went into prayer for a whole week afterwards and I really got into the word and really wanted to know more about it because I've heard, but you don't really hear a lot of preaching. How many heard preachings about the Bema Seat of Christ before? Not so many nowadays. 
We hear a lot about, you know, the blessings and the favor and a lot of things like that. But the Bema Seed is, you know, when you think about judgment, when you talk about judgment, people get a little funny and a little nervous, huh? You're probably starting to sweat in your palms now, too. Hmm? When you talk about judgment, people start to get a negative effect. But the Bema Seed of Christ, we have to understand right now, is a place where believers are going to go when the time comes. When the day comes, we are going to come and approach the, the judgment seat of Christ. And this is a place where we as believers are going to appear. It's not the place where God is going to separate the unbeliever and the believer. It's the place of actual reward. It's not the fact that you're going to be judged so much as you're going to be able to be rewarded for what you have done here on earth. And you know what I think about how I've been serving God for 15 years now and I and I and it's been really in my spirit and I thank God that today I feel like I just got reborn again. And I thank God that I want to keep that same zealousness and that same compassion and fire to to pray every single day. To seek the throne of God every single day. To be able to stay connected to my Lord because if it wasn't for Him, I would not be alive today. I would be in prison and I would be on the streets or something else would have happened to me and nobody would have known because nobody would have cared. But thank God for my salvation today because today I am able to really appreciate the gift of God through the grace of God. How many can say amen? We're not saved by the good things we do. We're not saved by works or anything else. We're saved because of Christ and the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus. But, everybody say there's always a but. I would like to just read real quickly before I get into the message here more. And I'm gonna take, not going to take too much of your time, but I was looking at the bulletin from last week and one of the jewels there of Pastor Josie, Josie's jewel, it says, you'll never be the person you can be if pressure, tension, and discipline are, not, are taken out of your life. And that's exactly why I thank God I was fitting for the message this morning because we believe in bringing the potential out of people in Victory Outreach. That is the vision. That is the essence. That's why so many people have a hard time staying in Victory Outreach. That's right. Why? Because we know where you come from. Nobody else sees the potential in you, but when you come to Victory Outreach... There's potential in your life, and we see it, and we try to bring it out of you. And it is the pressures, hello, the tension, the tight rope, hello, somebody, the short leash. Huh? It is those very things that have kept me on the track that I'm going on today. I know, and with a shadow of that, without a shadow of a doubt, if it wasn't for the vision of Pastor Sonny and the vision of this ministry, I would not be able to serve God this long. How many could say amen? 
Chapter 5 of here, Paul is trying to give the believers a right perspective. You see, the perspective the Apostle Paul had at this point, he was trying to convey it to the believers there in Corinth because Corinth was a city of athlete, athletes and, and gambling and corruption. And it was, a, it was like a metropolis, like a, a place where there was so much activity taking place and the activity surrounded about, around these arenas where it was like the Olympic Games were taking place all the time. And Paul was always speaking relevant messages. You know, when you think about the parables of Jesus Christ, Jesus in his parables was trying to help us understand, listen, he was bringing a heavenly perspective down to an earthly perspective so that we can really start to take our eyes so much upon the things here in the world, the things upon earth, and we can really start to look up and see that there is a, a life beyond this life we're living today. That there is a place in which we are going to be called to go home and spend eternity in when we go beyond the grave. Are you with me? And this is what Paul was trying to do. He was saying, listen, look at, look at this now. We are all going to approach the throne, the judgment seat of Christ. We are all going to come. And in, throughout the chapter there, Paul was trying to point out certain things versus the, the, the temporary things and the eternal things. Changing of perspective. We have to understand previously in chapter 4, verse 6 to verse 16 to 18, Paul says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying. Hello, somebody. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Some of us spend more time trying to renew the outer man. But I won't go there. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight. Everybody say eternal. Weight of glory far beyond all comparison. There is no comparison to what we are running to. How many can say amen? While we look at not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What are those? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Jesus tried to open our perspective to see eternal things. Paul is trying to open the believer's eyes to see eternal things. So many times our eyes are fixated on the temporary in life. So many times our eyes are fixated on the, the pains and the struggles and the pressures of life that we fail to keep our perspective open to where we're trying to get to. How many of you say praise the Lord? We need to look at the things that are not seen, the things that we cannot see in the physical, but we have to have a vision for the things eternally. The Bema seat was a place of reward, a place that where it was like a stage or a platform, kind of such like this. And it was a place where if you ran on a race, you won the prize, you would go before the platform and they would give you the victor's crown. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to move along pretty quickly now. Verse 24 to 27 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everybody say win. win. 
And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way, Paul is talking about himself now, as not without aim. Everybody, you got to have aim. You got to know where you're running to. You got to have a destination, a finish line. The finish line ain't trying to have that new Mercedes Benz. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet or I persecute my body and make it my slave. Lest possibly after I have preached to others, Paul says, I myself should be disqualified. Paul was involved in a powerful ministry. Paul was planting churches all over the place and winning souls by the thousands. But even Paul had to keep his flesh under subjection. Even Paul had to keep his perspective open to the eternal. Even Paul was trying to relate to them, listen, don't look at the wisdom of man, but look at the wisdom of God. His ways are higher than our ways. And listen, we are in a race here today. How many can say amen? We are racing through life now today. You see, the day you got born again was the day that you started training yourself to run in the race. To run in the race. You had basically got into the athletic games of Christianity, and we have known, listen, today we got to understand that when we go before the finish line, the finish line is the judgment seat of Christ. The finish line for the athletes was the, was the judgment seat of, of winning the games. The platform, that was the finish line. But many of us, we don't even have a vision for what the platform looks like. Because we've never really take time in prayer and intercession. We never really take time to open our perspective and fix our eyes. Because listen, you're going to look at certain things for a long time and you're going to have a picture of it in your memory. Hello. When you know and you see your face in the mirror, you know what you look like when you're not looking in the mirror anymore. We have to also have a vision and a perspective that we look at where, where are we running to in Christianity. Is it all about the temporary things that we have on earth? Or is it about the finish line, the judgment seat of Christ? Tell your neighbor, can I get an amen? Come on, tell your neighbor, can I get an amen? The Bema seat of Christ deals with our con conduct here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10 tells us, listen, whether good or bad, it's going to be there when we get there. Everything we do here on earth will follow us to eternity. Everything you don't do on earth will follow you to eternity. Many married couples and many different people struggle in relationships because why? They're so fixated on the relationships here instead of here. They cut the connection here. They don't pray together. They don't get into devotions together. But they fight all day long. How many can say amen? Because their eyes are fixated on the lack of finances. I won't go there yet. How many can say amen? There is a reward there at the Bema seat waiting for us. As we go through life here today, like Pastor C would say, we're here for a small fraction of eternity. 
We are making today the kind of eternity we will live in tomorrow. And eternity might be here tomorrow. We don't know when that time is coming. We don't know how close we are to the finish line. All we need to know is that we need to keep running the race at the pace that God has called us to run. You don't need to run the race like everyone else. It ain't a competition in Christianity anymore. That's not the kind of race we're in. The only competition we're in is with the enemy who is trying to take away people out of the race and cause them to be immobilized or lukewarm. How many can say amen? Paul mentions and illustrates us in Christianity that we are in a race. It's a perspective thing. How many can say praise the Lord? Jesus, when, like I said, when he preached in parables, if you look and study the parables of Christ, most, 99% of them spoke about bringing heavenly principles to earthly principles so that we would be fixated on the eternal. That was what it was about. It's talked about, you know, when you, you, the things that we would have to worry about money. Don't worry about money. God will provide. Huh? How you invest your life here on earth. He was trying to bring it and make it relative. Matthew 13, 11 says, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of heaven. These were the words of Christ. Unto you, every one of us in this place, everyone who has accepted Christ, unto us it is given the mysteries of heaven. And to know those mysteries. But if we're not looking at the mysteries of heaven very long, then we're not going to know them very well. How many can say amen? This was also Paul's point. Verse 27, he said, Lest I be disqualified after preaching and doing all that I could to help many others, you can be disqualified from the prize. You can disqualify the rewards. That you invest here on earth. Our perspective needs to be focused, fixated beyond the temporaries of life here on earth. Focused and fixated beyond life that we live today. We need to run the race of the temporary with God and a goal in mind. And that goal is the finish line. Where's the finish line? The platform of Jesus Christ. After 15 years of ministry... You've seen a lot. And a lot of people want to be up here preaching the gospel and say, you know what, I want to be up there. I want to be, you know, I want the anointing of this person and that person. But they don't want to pay the price that it takes to get there. They're not willing to. And then when they're under the gun, they get running. They run from here to there to there to there to there. And then they're all of a sudden they're, you know, movable. So movable. Because the more you do something, the more you stretch a rubber band, the easier it is to stretch. And eventually, it will snap. The more tension you bring to it, the easier it is to... Huh? We have an imperishable crown is waiting for us. Here are a few things, five things that I think will distract us in running this race. Number one. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 to 15. The Bible says, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. 
If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through the fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? Allah? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We need to understand that, listen, on the day that we are going to go, this talks about our service. Our acts, our service in the house of the Lord, our service in the community, our service, our works. When we go, a lot of times this is talking about motive. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things, but with the wrong motive. There's a lot of people doing the, the right things, and, and it looks good to everybody around, and they're all, you know, hey, you know, I salute you, you're doing a great job, and so forth. But how many know that if it's not in your heart, the right heart, the pure heart, the right motive, then when the day comes, the reward will not be there. Our heart condition is what should matter in the works that we do. It's not about the glory or the fame or anything else. we got to understand, it, matter, it comes down to the issues of the heart. When you do something, I do it in the name of the Lord. In all that we do, we should do it under the Lord. Huh? That means when you're a good husband or a good wife, you do so as under the Lord. You don't build idols in your life. You don't have the wrong motives in your life. And you don't do things just to get something back. Hello, somebody. That's the principle that we got to come against. The enemy is trying to inflict and inject into the body of Christ the fact that, listen, I'm going to do this so that I get something in return. I'm going to do this so that something will always come back to me. That was not the perspective of the early believers. The early believers' perspective was, listen, I'm going to do this because God has already done enough for me, and my life is not my own. I am a slave of Christ. I am a bondservant of Christ, and that's all, that's all it is. That's it. I have no choice but to do what I'm doing. Because I have the Spirit of God in me and the Spirit of God is in my heart. And my heart says, listen, this person needs help. This individual needs help. I'm not going to do it so that they can look at me and I can look good like a Christian should. But I'm going to do it because, listen, I'm going to go to the gutters and I'm going to tell somebody, listen, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Come on out of there. I'm not doing it for title or prestige. I'm not doing it for glory or fame. But I'm going to do it because Jesus is waiting for me at the finish line. And he is my coach. And my eyes are fixed on the coach. My eyes are fixated on him. And I'm watching him. And he's telling me, come on. You can keep going. You can keep doing it. Don't worry about the crowd around you. No runner running a race is going to be looking at the crowd. They're not going to win the race. The Bible says you're going to be persecuted in Christianity, my friend. If your eyes are fixated on the crowd, you will be persecuted all the time. Because why? It's going to slow you down. It's going to be a pain, a thorn in your flesh. It's going to cause you to slow down in the race or even sometimes quit. Not for the wrong reasons. Any other reason except for to be able to finish the race with the, all, of the, all of the glory belonging to God, then it will only be full of self, and you'll become a people pleaser. The minute you start to give yourself to pleasing people, my friend, you're going to get disappointed, persecuted, hurt, offended, 
and you're going to get distracted. The motive of the heart of why I'm running this race. When running this race, we cannot be concerned with the crowd around us. You've got to be fixated on the finish line no matter what. You're going to get pain in your sides. But runners who train them and, and, and make their flesh their subject, their slave, they ignore the pain. They don't let the pain slow them down. They learn to ignore it and eventually it passes. You know that our God is a wonderful God and, and the Bible says in all that you do, do it as unto him. He said, don't look for the pat on the back. He said, if you get your reward here on earth, then you're not going to get your reward in heaven. Listen, he's, Jesus even said, listen, be concerned with the reward that is before you in the eternal place, not in the temporary place. Tell your neighbor, can I get an amen? Number two. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's quiet today. Praise the Lord. Just know that I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm just trying to coach you. All right. I've been told I'm too passionate sometimes. I don't have enough humor. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 17 says, and this is another pain of life. This is the pain of life that can distract you in the race. The pain of life. First Peter 15 to 17, but the, like the Holy One who called you, be yourselves holy in all of your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you address as Father the One who impartially judges according to each man's work. Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. We have a heavenly Father, and we need to be holy with all of our heart. The Bible says, guard your heart. Sin, when it starts to get into your heart, will be like a cancerous disease that will start to eat away at your spirit man. And we have seen, and I have seen too many powerful and anointed men of God, and women of God, marching and winning and fighting and running the race, like Paul said, lest I be disqualified. They were running and doing well. But sin has shame. And sin is creeping into a lot of households today. A lot of hearts are being infested with sin. And sin, we got to realize, listen, is the enemy right now. You've got to resist it like it was the black plague, my friend. When you get your hands dirty, you better wash them real good. Otherwise, it can cause more disease. We're going to get stained by the world around us here and there because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory. And we live in a very messed up world. How many can say amen? amen. And we're going to get a little bit of dirt here and there. But you better wash it off right away, my friend, because eventually if you don't wash your hands, you're going to get diseased. Wash your hands. 
stop looking at that pornography? Yes, because that's an alarming issue in the churches today. All over the world, men and women, even women, are caught up. Oh, nobody will know. I'll be okay. Meanwhile, they have a cancerous disease eaten away. And why they wonder why they go through this trial and that struggle. No financial blessing, no, nothing, no, nothing. Because they're walking and living in the curse. I'm tired of seeing those great men and women of God fall to the wayside. We have a vision in Victory Outreach to reach the inner cities of the world. We have a vision that is pure of the sense that, listen, we're going to raise up men and soldiers who are going to go out to all the corners of the earth, and we're bringing a message that nobody else is bringing. You see, Victory Outreach, we're on our own track. And every church and every ministry has their own track, on the, on, but we're all running to the same place. But how we get there is the difference. Worldwide evangelism will only be possible with men and women who are going to be holy as he is holy. There's no shortcuts in running or in, in training. Sin is a shortcut. Sin is a shortcut, my friend. Even Paul said in 927, listen, lest I be disqualified. We need to know that there is no pretending in the church. We got to stop pretending. Because that's exactly what it is. Coming to the church and saying we're okay. But on the inside there's a disease rotting away on our hearts. Because we've been doing what we've been doing when nobody's around. And listen, you should be here on Wednesday nights getting a part of that. The fruits of the Spirit. Because listen, it has to deal with who you are. Not what you do. When I came here Wednesday, man, I said, man, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? I'm going to be real. Where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? You need to be here getting the word, soaking in the word. That's how you wash your hands, my friend, because you cannot go all week long without being in your word. Palo, palo, they say in Tagalog. The day we get to the finish line, that's when we get there. Everything will be revealed. All the details of your life. Imagine. We're not going to a Christ that we know in the pictures. And then the things on the cross and all that. That's not the Christ we're going to see. We're going to see a glorified Savior. In all of His glory. Standing upon the platform. In all of His holiness and beautiness and power. The omnipotent God. The all-knowing God. And when we get before him, we're going to be coming to that finish line. And the closer and closer we get, the more and more we start to have a revelation of his holiness, my friend. And when we get there, we're going to have such a holy fear in our lives. Because we cannot approach that throne knowing and seeing all that we did and didn't do in life. We need to do it. And we need to do it with the right heart, the right motive. And we need to cut the cancer away. Cut it out. Nothing will be hidden anymore. There will be no, more, no pretending at the throne. No more pretending. No more plastic in Tagalog. No more fake. This is the, where the real character 
will be revealed. So you should be here Wednesday night. Just a little plug for Wednesday nights. Amen. It's only possible through Christ, my friend. There is no other way. No other way. Holy means to be sacred and sanctified. And this can only happen through a lifestyle of prayer and separation in your heart and in your mind through the Holy Spirit. Number three. Let me move real quickly now. Matthew 25 talks about the parable of the talents and also the coming judgment. And in the judgment, the Bible says there, in the parable of the judgment, the, the Bible says that the, the Lord said to those, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, I was, you visited me. And these are the things that only come from the heart because there was another group of people that was there and he said, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do this. You were so wrapped up in your own life. That's my, my belief. Okay, doesn't say that in the Bible, all right? But I believe that what separated, you ask yourself, what separated? Why didn't they recognize? The Bible says sometimes we're going to entertain angels and in everything we do, do it as unto the Lord. Why wouldn't they, you know, Get a clue when somebody came to them with a need and they closed their eyes. When they walked past that soul on the streets and they know in their spirit was telling them, come on, come on, say something. And you said nothing. Because you were so busy in your own life, in your own agenda, in your own purpose. Somebody say praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, let's make some noise. Amen. I don't think you could be too passionate, hello somebody, about the things of God. Because passion is what's going to help me in the race. This is talking about our service. I believe that the lack of service in your life can cause you to have a distraction in the race. He said, you didn't do this. And then he said to the others, you did do this. He's talking about service to people. Ministry is people. Helping people, serving people, loving people. It ain't the title of prestige, but it's getting down and just knowing, listen, it's all about people. And we have to understand, listen, that we have to do this. Jesus is going to recognize and it's going to be evident what you did do and didn't do when you get to the finish line. So this pain can distract you in the race. Number four, Romans 14, verse 7 to 13. Romans 14, verse 7 to 13. For not one of us lives for himself. And this is going to be a, a palo palo too, I guess. I don't know. A palo palo morning. Amen. You came to church to get spanked. That's what palo palo means. Spanky, spanky. But I'm a missionary. Amen. I, that, I guess that's why I'm a missionary. I'm too passionate. Got to have passion to survive on the mission field. How many can say Amen. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live... We live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. What kind of attitude or perspective is that? Come on now. Therefore, whether we live or whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, everybody say me. Why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Oh Lord Jesus. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Everybody say, no more. But rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in your brother's way. I believe that the relationships we have in our Christian life will be carried with us to the finish line. How we treat one another, how we love one another, how we forgive one another, how we pers persecute one another, and how we judge one another will be there when we get to the finish line. I have to tell you today, there's been many times where my relationships with people have been tested. When I was in the home, I wanted to slap the director upside his head so many times. When I was in leadership in the church here, I wanted to slap my leader upside the head so many times. Because we were different. I didn't agree. We didn't see eye to eye. But I had to submit myself, therefore, to my brother because the Bible says to. times hello the old man wanted to resurrect but thank god christ has resurrected in my life because i am only telling you listen your relationships will be tested jesus even emphasized this listen he said if you go to me in prayer you come to the altar in prayer and you have a problem with your brother or sister you better get up from that prayer place and you get up and go take care of it we need to learn how to resolute conflict. Because how many know we're family in Victory Outreach? We're family, and there's going to be conflict in family. Hello? Brothers and sisters, man, hello, there's rivalry all the time. But nevertheless, we're still family. Are we going to do what we got to do to resolve? Hey, sometimes you might be 100% in the right, 110% in the right. And that person that you had a problem with was way wrong, out of left field. Are you going to practice the word of God? Are you going to walk and live by faith? Because faith will say, listen, I need to go and bring resolution to this today, not tomorrow, not next year. I need to do it now, and I need to do it according to the word of God. And I need to get up and humble myself, therefore, to my brother or sister. Even in your workplace, to the unsaved people, too. I remember one time, and I'm going to share it real quickly. I was working over here in my job before I went to the Philippines. And there was one girl who, man, I was, the, I was hired as the supervisor. I was a boss in the department, so I was her boss. And some of her family was here in our church, and she didn't like it very much, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> but one morning, I got up, and I went to work and everything, and all of a sudden, I'm looking, and I see Xerox copies of articles from the Internet about Victory Outreach. What's going on? She made a Xerox copy of an article from years and years ago that she found on the Internet and gave it to all of the workers in my job. Because I wasn't quiet about my faith. Amen. Ooh, man, I was 
talk about me all you want. I don't care. But you talk about my ministry. You talk about Pastor Sonny. You talk about the, this. No, 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 no. Then we, those are frightened words. How many can say amen? Oh, Lord, I had to pray. Pastor Steve called me right up. He said when he heard, because I told Bossy we weren't married yet, but I told her, oh, man, this happened. I had to tell somebody, and she was my friend. You know, <laughs> My beautiful friend. Hello, somebody. That I could lean on every once in a while. And right away, Pastor Steve, oh, no, no, that stuff, that was old, that's old news, I said, okay, thanks, Pastor. I feel a little bit better, but I still want to hurt her. <laughs> so I went home, prayed, and saw, got to the throne of God and just said, you know, God, I'm sorry if this is, this is I don't like this anger, because I was an angry man when I came to home. I don't like this no more. I feel that, oh, I don't like the feeling. So the next morning, praise God, I was able to go back, and I just went to her. I said, look, if I hurt you or offended you in any way, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that I really mean that. Now, she was totally wrong. Hello, somebody. And she's not a Christian believer. But I still had to practice the word of God. And what happened was God was glorified in my job, the other supervisors, the employees. I didn't have to tell them what I did. They saw what happened, and they seen what happened, and they said, wow. If I was you, I would have already done did something yesterday. That's, you're a miracle of God. How many can say amen? amen? Humility is power under control. Listen. Bear one another's burdens. Love one another. Encourage one another. Uplift one another. Relationships is so important. And the way you judge somebody, you're going to be judged. Stop throwing stumbling blocks in people's way, man. Stop looking with a critical eye. Those are pains and distractions from running the race. Because the minute we start looking at people and how they do this or don't do this, we, start, we stop looking at our Savior and we're not fixated on the finish line. Listen, it doesn't matter. The Bible says each one will be uh, answering for their works. When we get to the finish line, how many can say amen? And lastly, finances. Finances. These are all issues nobody wants to hear about. Hello, somebody. Judgment. Finances. Relationships. Judgment. 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 Reminds me of an old song. I won't sing it, though. Finances. Jesus taught the principles of, listen, don't store up treasures here on earth. So many believers are so focused on earth, earth, the temporaries of life, the latest this, the latest that. I come from a place, a country where they don't really have a whole lot. And the little things they have, they're so grateful. I could bring them a, a used tank top. Bring them a used pair of shoes, you know. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you. I have a new pair of American zapatos. <laughs> Every time you come and visit us 
they get so welcome and they just appreciate that somebody would come and pay for their flight and, and do what they can to come and, and just talk to them and love them and, and, and just want to help them. And no matter what, they're just so grateful. But how many times we can grow cold in our Christian life and we get so concerned with the, the needs of life and I need this, I need that. Listen, these are pains. If we're running the race, they're only side pains, my friend. If you keep your eyes like a runner fixated on the end, my friend, then we will understand. Listen, ignore the pains of your needs. Ignore the pains of your problems. Ignore the pains of your trials. Ignore those pains because, listen, you got a race to run. You don't want to quit. You don't. There's no timeouts. How many can say amen? You need to keep running. And Jesus is your provider. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your protector. Jesus is forgiveness and love. And all of those things will come to play in your life. You just keep running and your household shall be saved, my friend. I'm going up to see my mom again, man, and I praise God she's still serving God no matter what the enemy throws at her. Listen, you just keep running the race, man. You just keep going. Don't take a time out from ministry. Don't take a time out from this or that. Listen, you go 110% for Jesus, and he goes 120 for you. 120, he will go the extra mile for you every time you take that step of faith and you forgive your brother or sister. Every time you come out and you give a little bit more when it hurts to give, then you're going to see God come through for you. The pain will disappear, my friend. The pain will disappear. And sooner or later, you're going to be running at a slower pace. But then later on, it's going to be a little bit faster, my friend. And then later on, it's going to be a little bit faster because you've learned how to discipline yourself not to be distracted anymore. Your family belongs to the Lord now. Your life belongs to the Lord now. Your money belongs to the Lord now. Your car belongs to the Lord now. Your house belongs to the Lord now. And listen, my friend, you've got to give it up to the Lord. Don't let the distractions detour you or get you off track. If your leader hurts you or offends you, whoo, you better pray. That's it. But don't you give up. Don't you run. Don't you quit. Don't you stop. You keep on going, my friend, because you're living to please the Father in heaven, not to please your leader. How many can say praise the Lord? Stand to your feet right now. Let's give glory to God. Come on now. Give glory to God. He's the coach. He's the coach, and he said the finish line saying, come on, Victory Outreach Hayward. 100,000 is not enough. Come on, Victory Outreach Hayward. The building is not done. Come on, Victory Outreach Hayward. God wants to send you out. Pains and distractions will disqualify you. Don't become a lukewarm Christian, my friend. Don't do it. Keep the fire burning. The fire is only ignited through pains and trials and struggles, my friend. Keep it burning. Tell your neighbor, keep it burning. Come on, keep it burning. You want your marriage, you want your family, you want your people to be blessed, you serve the Lord. You get the fire of God. Right here, right here, right now. Come on now, people. 
We're here to have some church. We're here to get the Holy Ghost. We're here to get the fire lit up now because Hayward, Hayward is a powerful and a blade ground. Come on now. Come on, glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord. Oh, come on now. Come on now. You got the Holy Ghost in your life. You need to respond right now. This is it right here. You may be slowed down right now. You may have quit. You may have broken relationships. You might have stopped tithing even. Who knows? But praise God. He's a God of a second chance. Second chance. I've been running and gunning for Jesus for 15 years, but I feel that I haven't done enough. Oh, my city needs help. And I believe God, because of God, has given me leaders, and I've learned the principle of running. We're going to have a mega church there in the province of Laguna. It's not going to happen right now, but it's going to happen right here. You want to be back in the race? You see, I'm accountable now that I know. Guess what? So are you now. So are you. You heard the truth. You heard the gospel. I gave you the word. Now we're all accountable. In the last days, Jesus might be here tomorrow. The finish line might come tomorrow. My God, I don't want to get there and hear how wicked and lazy I was. I want to hear, well done. Well done. You did all that you could do. The altars are open this morning. If you're going to say today, today is the new beginning, a new era. Let the past go. Let the past go now, now, now. Get up in the race today. Get up in the race today. Fire up your spirit with the Holy Ghost. Come on, people of God. And not my will, but your will be done. The altar is the place where the fire is. Fill you and consume you, people. For only in your 